Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our reading today is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. You may find this text on page 931 of your pew Bible. Let us prepare our hearts. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. This is the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Even now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So the Christmas story always gets started with an angel. An angel is one who brings a word. It's it's never our word. It's always a word from God. And because it's a word from God, it it can be joyous, it can be unsettling. 
It can be transformative. It can be frightening. It can be all of those things at the same time. In this angel, Gabriel, the holy messenger, he tells Mary that she is favored, graced. She's loved. And she's chosen. And she wonders, why would God do such a thing? And then the message gets even more complicated. The Gabriel says, Mary, you're going to have a son. Now look, I, I know that your families have arranged for you and Joseph to be married, and, and I, I know that that hasn't happened yet, and, and I know that usually children come after you're married, but this is a work of God, and evidently God cannot wait any longer. It was a risky word. It's a word that could fall on her as joyous and unsettling, transformative, no doubt, and even frightening. You understand there would be absolutely zero social acceptance in that day for a child to be born before marriage. The social consequences of this heavenly news would be enough to scare Mary to death. But she seems less frightened, and just more curious, perplexed. She asked, do you, do you mind going over that first part one more time, the, the part about me having a baby? Because I'm not married, I haven't been with Joseph, you know, you know how this works, right? It's, I, I, could you go over the logistics one more time? That's where she starts. It's not where she ends up, but it is where she starts. Sometimes knowing the logistics, how things work, can be important. It is not uncommon in our house for Carol to bring something to the table, and I take a bite and it's delicious. And I say, I don't, I don't remember having this before. She said, no, I just kind of threw it together. I said, well, what's in it? And she'll tell me some of the ingredients. How did you season it? She said, oh, I don't know. You know, I think there's some garlic in there and some of that Trader Joe's chili lime. And, and well, what else? Well, I don't know. I didn't write it down. I said, so we're not ever having this again, are we? She said, well, no, but I will have something. Enjoy it while it lasts, she says. And I do, and I am grateful, but sometimes it'd be nice to have the recipe, you know, to understand how it comes together, particularly if you want it to happen again. Mary's asking for the recipe. How is this going to work? And when Gabriel tries to respond to her, He says, God will do this. Mary's not the only person to wonder about this. More than a few through the years have had a question or two about how a virgin can have a child. If you think I'm going to explain that to you, you're very disappointed. This is where Mary begins, but she very quickly finds herself in a different place. The next time she opens her mouth, she says, let it be with me according to your word. The, the angel Gabriel, he, he tried to be helpful. He, he said, you know, like the creation story where it says the 
the world was null and void. It was watery chaos, and the Spirit of God came over the waters, and there was creation. Well, the Spirit of God will come over you, and there'll be new creation. She raised her eyebrows a bit, I think. It's not in the text, but I think she raised her eyebrows a bit, and he said, look, I don't know, but with God, everything's possible. And that was enough for her, because maybe she remembered the first part again. Mary, you are favored. You are graced. You are loved. And that seems to be enough, because she stops with all of her logistics questions And she just says, I'm in. I'm all in. I want to be who God wants me to be. You know, sometimes we come to Christmas and we want to try to explain it, and Christmas doesn't play fair with that. It's not something we can explain. Not just the logistics of how, but why in the world has God chosen to take on flesh. Why would God choose to live with and as we do? The truth of this birth is it's not something we explain, it is something that claims us. Author and theologian David Ford, he wrote these words about resurrection, but they apply to Christmas as well. He said, the truth of this is self-involving. It cannot be fully grasped until it begins to transform us a bit. These words have a certain urgency about them, like someone shouting fire or whispering, will you marry me? We can't fully grasp them until they create response in us. If I understand the text, this is what happens to Mary. She begins with questions of logistics, but she realizes that the love of God will be born in the world, and she's less concerned about how that will happen and more celebrates the fact that it happens. Let it be with me according to your word, she says, I'm all in. A couple of years ago, my, my dad had a stroke, and he was dying. And so my son and I, we jumped in the car, and we drove to Atlanta. We had a morning to say goodbye to my dad, and it was a great visit, and we said everything we needed to say, and, and we remembered some things. You, you do that. We, we remembered some, some moments, and, and he reminded me of the time that he came out to play basketball with me and with my friends, and it was easy to remember because it's the only time that he came out to play basketball with me and my friends. This man was not an athlete. His athletic prowess was challenged with, you know, I don't know, checkers, but, but he, he wanted to play one day. Now, this happened during what he referred to as the awe dad years. He called in those years because That's about all he heard me say for a number of years. He would say something, and I would just, oh, Dad. He would do something, oh, Dad. He would would come pick me up at school. He would get out of the car. He would wave at me over here, and I'm, oh, Dad. Don't get out of the car, man. I have people here. 
You see, I, I, was, I was unfortunately the son of the world's most embarrassing father. I have been on both sides of that transaction. And you know, when you happen to be the world's most embarrassing father, that can be kind of fun, actually. That, uh, you can run with that. But, but when you happen to be the son of the world's most embarrassing father, it is torture. So this, this happens because dads reach a point in life where they just take a nosedive in intelligence. They go from being almost omniscient, knowing everything, to where they know really nothing. When, when my own son was 14 years old, my younger brother said to him, he said, Nathan, your father has always been this dumb. You're just now recognizing it. <laughs> so, my friends, uh, my friends, Danny Martin and Frank Chambliss and I, we were playing basketball. You thought I forgot that part. We were playing basketball. My, my dad came out to join us. He was wearing a T-shirt. I, I don't mean like a, a, a college team T-shirt. It was a Fruit of the Loom V-neck. He was wearing these plaid shorts. They called them Bermuda shorts, which was probably a a violation letting them ever out of Bermuda. His, his legs, his legs looked like they had not seen sun or bright light for a decade. He, he looked like he was walking on fluorescent light tubes that, that dissolved into wingtips. He walked out and said, you guys want to play some hoops? Oh, damn. Of course, things changed. He got better. I went to college, and he got educated. <laughs> Later, it was March of 1987, I took a train ride that rode all through the night. I left Charleston, South Carolina, where I was an associate pastor, and went to Richmond, Virginia, where Carol was still in school. And it was her birthday. She did not know I was coming. I was surprising her for her birthday for her birthday dinner, where I was also planning to propose, I'd made reservations at the tobacco company. It's a restaurant in Richmond that serves entrees that are way out of budget for an associate pastor for youth ministry. The reservations were for 7.30 that night, but the train arrived about 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I got a taxi over to the school. I called her up on a, on a payphone. You remember those? Put my quarter in the payphone, called her up and said, happy birthday. I'm downstairs. She said, you're here? I said, yeah, let's go to breakfast. She said, I'm on my way. And about an hour later, she was right down there. And we went to get breakfast. I got an omelet. She got a pancake with a egg sunny side up on the side. And as we finished breakfast, or I tried to, I realized there was no way I was going to make it through this whole day carrying this ring in my pocket. I was already too nervous to eat. When she finished eating, we went and we were walking down Monument Avenue in Richmond, and there in the midst of morning traffic, I just proposed, and she laughed, <laughs> which was not really the response I was looking for realizing the desperation on my face, she says, oh, no, no, yes, of course, yes. So then we decided we would call our families, and I, I, I called my dad. I said, Dad, 
you remember Carol Wells. He said, of course, she's wonderful. I said, Dad, I asked her to marry me. He said, just come on home. I said, what? He said, just come on home. You don't need to be by yourself at a time like this. Just come on home. I, I, I said, Dad, she said yes. She did. Well, that's wonderful, he said, but she's so smart. Oh, Dad. As he lay in that hospital bed, you know, the ones they put in your house, we remember that story. And I told him it would have been all right with me if he'd been a little less surprised that she said yes. But I was glad he told me to come home because I knew that he knew better than anybody in the world the reasons that she might say no. And still, he said, come on home. I'm always here for you. You are graced, you are favored, you are loved. You're always home with me. Now I suppose I could wonder, knowing how we treated each other from time to time, I could wonder how all that happens, but it doesn't really matter. It's just that it happens is what matters. I think Mary had to have experienced something like that. The angel says, it's more than you can wrap your head around, but you're going to have a son, and he'll be the son of God, and it's happening because God's love just can't stay away, just can't stay away from this world that God loves, and can't stay away from you who are favored you who are graced, you who are loved. And Mary said, I'm all in. Now she, nor I, and the truth is not even Gabriel very well, can explain how all of that happens or even why. But it doesn't really matter because we have been transformed by the birth of this child who was born of woman as is every child and born of God's love as was no other child. And I don't understand how all that occurred, but I do know it means that there's a holy love that calls you by name and says you are graced, you are favored, you are loved, and with God, you are always at home. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.